Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest instalment of Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Credera. Uh, as ever, I hope all of our listeners are keeping safe and well and are excited to hear more about our topic today. For those listeners who are new to Technically Minded, we aim to provide an opportunity for colleagues from across our firm to come together to discuss hot topics in business and tech from the various clients, partners and sectors we work in and with, uh, the hope being that our experiences and insights are helpful to you, our listeners. Uh, I'm your host for this session. My name is Matthew Greenhalsh. I'm a consultant in the Credera UK delivery practice. For today's episode, and as usual, I'm joined by three of my wonderful colleagues uh, who are in no particular order. We have uh, Nicoria Johnson, who's the Chief Diversity Officer for Credera US. Good afternoon, Matthew. Glad to be here. Hello and welcome. Um, John Kendrick, who is a Principal Consultant and the Innovation Lead at Credera UK. Hey, hello. Hi, John. Uh, and Susan O'Donnell, uh, Director in the Credera UK Delivery Practice. Afternoon, Matthew. Hello, welcome. So yeah, uh, welcome to all of you and thank you very much as ever for taking the time for you to join today's conversation. In today's episode, we are exploring how uh, organisations can shape and build a diverse workplace and ultimately why this is something they should do and how this can help them lead to uh, successful business outcomes. To kick us off today, uh, I'd like to start by asking what sounds as like a very simple question um, in what we mean by diversity in today's podcast, i.e. what does it mean to each of us? Could I ask you just to kick us off, please, Nicoria, if that's okay? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we just went through an interesting journey of pulling together our first uh, public annual report. And in doing that, one of the things we really wanted to create was a center around what diversity, equity, inclusion, and well-being are, because those words are so often interchanged. And so your question to me about diversity, um, I think that diversity means that there is difference in a setting. And I think a lot of times people use the word diversity to describe an individual. But really, it's about the collective and how unique and different um, the population is within that demographic. So when you look at diversity, in my opinion, it's really about making sure that you have variety in every experience that you have, from your people to um, the way that you think. And, and that creates better uh, synergy, better results at the end of the day. So in my mind, diversity is all about that uniqueness in a population. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'd add to that. I think traditionally we've we've thought about diversity in terms of gender or ethnicity, but I think that as we're exploring, we're also starting to think about things in different ways of thinking, building on what Nicoria said, neurodiversity. We're also seeing companies begin to emphasise diversity of background. We're starting to see in some areas, certainly in the UK, companies introducing the idea of quotas of people from different backgrounds. We think we've moved past the class system, but as a measure of, as a way of measuring social mobility and how people change and how their background can influence and direct what they bring to the table. I think we're starting to see the definition and value of diversity grow beyond the traditional boundaries of gender ethnicity into the experiences, background, processes of thoughts and views of the world. Um, and that's starting to bring some really very interesting insights and challenges to the table on how we compose teams and how we deal with teams and how we think about what we should bring to the table to maximise value. Yeah, I just have to just agree as well. I think there's a lot of focus sometimes on the on diversity being the differences, but I think as well it's also quite good to reflect on the similarities, and actually that helps you work out whether or not you've got a diverse 
workforce. So if you can reflect on how, how similar lots of people are, that helps you reflect and work out what you need to do to, to then encourage potentially as well the diversity that you need to bring in those new ideas and thoughts as we just referenced across the different cultural backgrounds, race, disabilities, religion and so on and so forth as well. So, yeah, there's it's completely great. It's, it's a big thing. Yeah. I often think of the um, the idea of kind of cross-functional teams in, in development, particularly in Agile, and that that kind of space of lots of different people with lots of experience and backgrounds coming together to, to deliver value, often quickly. It's that idea that they're, they're self-functioning and they, they you know, the, the idea of scaling that up to an organizational level is, I suppose, do, do you think that's the, the basis that people are looking for when they think of these kind of diverse environments? I think that's one of the best business outcomes is having that um, diversity of thought around the table, whether you're in development or you're in the C-suite, right? If you have people that look the same, come from the same backgrounds, et cetera, you're going to come out with the same outcomes over and over again. The second you start introducing people that have those different sets of experiences, um, different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, then those harder questions are able to be answered. And it pushes you to think through um, what things mean versus just agreeing and nodding and saying yes all the time. And so companies, again, that are innovative, they value that um, diversity of thought and those those uh, those explicit opinions. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think as well, there's a certainly for me another surprising value in that you bring together diversity of thought and diversity of experience. And as you work forward with that, you start to realise that you've learned to listen with the lens of your own experience. And you think that you are listening and you're truly hearing. But the more you start to work with teams or people or clients that have a cross, you know, a more broader branch of diversity in the area, you realise that you've actually limited your own learning or your own depth of understanding unconsciously because you are looking at things through the only lens you've had to that point which is the frame of your own experience the more you work with the people from different backgrounds different ways of thinking whatever it is the more you actually open your own ears to hear things in multiple ways and you actually start to broaden your own ability to think more broadly which was a surprising it shouldn't be surprising but that was something that i i, I was surprised to learn as as exposure to more diverse um people uh, it became the norm yeah, I, I wonder, I, I'm happy for someone, one of the listeners even, to correct me, but there's this concept, I think, of called groupthink, which is where, where individuals, uh, effectively, they, they, due to similarities, end up just uh, getting around, you know, harvesting around a, a similar thought, a similar process constantly, without any sort of critical reasoning or consequence review of what it is that they're doing. And I think, to your point, Susan, as well, if we can come out of that, if we can allow ourselves to step outside of that and bring other people, other other thoughts, other beliefs into those conversations, then actually it grows your own ability to make better decisions. But then actually as a firm or as a, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, a group of people working together, that allows that, that improved ability to make better decisions. What, what do you think about the idea that at its heart, diversity is, is ultimately about empathy? Some of the reading I've done around this, and I think you've all kind of touched on it, it's, it's understanding a viewpoint that you may subconsciously, to Susan's point, not even be aware of. It's just that's where you've been. That's, we, we all probably know about subconscious bias, but this idea that you're you're empathetic to somebody else's view of the world, and that means that you're able to kind of understand their viewpoint, and that feeds into whatever it is you're trying to develop or produce or the outcome that you're looking for. Do you think that's a kind of reasonable, generalistic view to, to take with, with diversity? So I actually think it's a combination of um, empathy and self-awareness. 
So the empathy is, you know, understanding what that other person's journey or what their um, thinking might be and being open to that. But at the same time, you have to be open yourself. And sometimes per what Susan said a bit earlier, you know, it, it's easy to kind of fall into I want to be around people that are like me and I feel safe in that environment. That's partially due to the wiring in our brain. Right. So empathy is hugely important because you want to look, be able to look at everyone as human first. And then that opens the door to all sorts of really authentic interactions. Once you get past that Um, personal story real quick, my husband is a black male and a part of a, a, a group of men that he's been meeting with for over 20 years. And so when um, George Floyd happened and all the things, um, they had him in his, as a part of his, their community. And so their first thought when they think black man is this person that they've been interacting with for 20 years, right? Versus other folks that are just surrounded by people that are like them their first thought might go to media or stereotypes or things that they don't even realize are kind of implanted in the back of their brain. So again, the goal of all of this, I think, is to make people more human and that human connection can kind of transcend um, everything that we're looking to do. To add to that as well, I think there's another thing that's, you know, there's the pull aspect of diversity, but I think we're also unconsciously seeing the push aspect, you know, and the growth of every everybody's interaction with the world through technology, through social media, through online buying, through whatever. We're also starting to see, perhaps belatedly, different lenses and views being forced onto the people are the companies that are producing that experience. I mean, that's the whole central concept of experience design. So to your point about empathy, yes, I absolutely do. And to build in Acoria's point, you know, the, it, the, our, our lens has been shattered and been forced to be shattered. Everybody's to look at everybody else and think about them. It's not just one to many or many to one. It, it, it's both. But also, I think the way that we live our world now and the rise of digital and everybody does everything in an interactive fashion online or through technology, it is also driving the demand for different ways of thinking and different types of experiences and different sources of, of, of demand and experience. And that is one of the things I mean, driving the rise in XD. It's, it's not the only thing, but we are being forced to think about the world as a combination of multiple experiences, multiple demands and, you know, multiple lenses. So it's, it's an interesting to balance that with the, the assumption of we are becoming more empathetic. Yes, we are. But we are also being forced to become more empathetic by the kind of collision of those two factors. That's that's really interesting, guys. Thank you. I think um, th- there's an interesting theme running through this as well, that it's yes, you can have a diverse, uh, diverse workforce. And, and, you know, it's a must in a lot of the areas and, and especially in technology, to your point, Susan. Um, you all touched on as well is this, this idea that, that people feel they're in a setting or an environment, whatever a culture, let's say, where they can feed into whatever it is that you're working on in that space. So I think, you know, drawing on your experiences, are, are there any key areas that support that or enable that to allow organisations to look to, to not only, you know, be diverse, but to embrace and, and you know, uh, use the diverse workforce they have in the right way? I think, John, could you maybe just kick us off on this point, please? Yeah, I, I so I am involved in quite a lot of um, workshops with clients. Um, and you know, on occasions, sort of, there are there are conversations with the clients to say who are they, who they do and don't want to bring into particular types of workshops. And this has been you know, this has been happening for years and years and years now. And my advice always is to make sure that we have a, you know within controlled numbers, obviously, but a very diverse group of people. Now, whether or not it's you know it, it, it's a it's a, a, a an educational thing, whether or not it's a 
um, a number of years worked, whether or not it's uh, you know a seniority thing. The more people you can get involved in these sorts of innovation workshops, um, anything to do involving solving problems, the better. And and the reason for that is that you know we we spoke about before you know the fact that diversity and empathy are highly related. Well, actually, diversity creates more empathetic people because you can learn and understand more from what people have done through their through their backgrounds, and therefore you have a better appreciation and so on and so forth. So actually, when it comes to us leveraging our workforce with a diverse group, we end up becoming more empathetic and actually you know taking it to its extreme, you can actually then get to the point where you start to better understand who it is that you're serving and your customers because you've got a broader representation of your workforce who are then able to better represent the people that you're going to be working to deliver stuff to. And it, and it allows you to drive a better product, a better understanding, and a better appreciation and a, and a better representation of the individuals that you're delivering to and, and, and for as well. So, it, it, you know, I'm a big fan of, of bringing anyone and everyone in who, who has an opinion because every opinion counts. And it's all about us listening and learning. So, um, yeah, that's I, I agree. I think there's a, there's a lot of value in it, actually. Yeah. And John, to your point um, about clients um, being able to sell more, do more, et cetera, um, at least on the U.S. side, we have a, a stat that's about 53 percent of um, U.S. households are either multicultural, meaning more than one culture or or blended. And that number is growing because that population is under 50. And so if you think about it, your traditional places where there might be wealth or might be a, a place where your product could um, could be marketed, th- those things are changing. So how do you understand those communities that you're those new pockets of wealth and places you want to market if you don't have teams that look like the communities around you that you're trying to market to that can speak into those experiences and those lenses. And I think that's going to um, be very important for companies that are looking to exceed and excel. They have to look forward and understand that the world demographics are changing and populations are changing and, and, and wealth is being deposited in places that maybe it hasn't been. I think that's a really interesting um, kind of viewpoints. It's good to hear those experiences you guys have had in that space but I think John I know you touched on the innovation side of things and we we did a podcast a few months ago in line with International Women's Day around this idea of choose to challenge which you know at its very basic level was this idea that you need to be able to challenge certain viewpoints um, in an environment but there was some interesting conversations we had in that podcast around it's this idea of how do you encourage people to challenge harnessing and embracing a diverse workforce are there some kind of practical measures that our listeners might be able to kind of look at and take away from that? So, I mean, John, if there's something you could chip in on there from the innovation side, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I, you're, you're right, actually. And I, I think it's fair. I'm definitely going to say it. I think it's hard, actually. I really do think it's quite hard to do this. Um, I think there's been a I'm just going to digress fractionally and then come back. I think there's been a classic management style that's been needed. Kind of this is the way we do things. This is the way it happens. And also, I think, you know, the, the word of culture within an organisation as well can can often drive a, a persistence of things within a firm or within ways of working and all these sorts of things. And I think that the um, opportunity that I, I mean, definitely in the, the innovation activity that I do and, and stuff that I run with, with the clients and so forth is to bring everyone in and say, actually, that we are in. I do agile as well. So we talk about psychological safety. It's something where you can say to people, look, bring what you want, bring it in. There's nothing here that. Um, is going to scold you or tell you off or anything like that. And it's not just from the ideas point of view, but it's actually from the perception or the thoughts or your beliefs on what it is that you want to bring. Um, I, 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 you know, I, there is 
there is some you know different things that you can read on the internet about how, how it can be quite challenging if you've got incredibly diverse organizations that actually can create lots and lots of conflict and it and it, and it can actually can go the other way i've never seen <laughs> i don't know i'm happy to open this up as well maybe i'm asking the question i've never seen an organization where it's so diverse that it ends up being very argumentative actually i've only ever seen it where the more diversity is encouraging more ideas and more thoughts through the innovation ideas and, and the workshops and, and the bringing people together so yeah that, that that's my you know kind of that's where my, my head is i think the, the more the better yeah i mean i couldn't agree more with what john said as well and just building on his point about agile i mean i think there are two ways in my experience of of challenging yourself to make sure that you are um, uh, taking on board diversity, reacting to diversity, but also enabling diversity of thought. It's not just about having people of different backgrounds. I mean, diversity of thought can arise by simply giving everybody in the room the opportunity to speak and really be heard. Um, so I, I've certainly learned, I know back to my point about listening, you know, I, I think I hear and I've learned that actually I've heard one very. So one practical way that I've taken is coming from a delivery background, running teams, trying to make decisions, trying to determine next steps, is actually instead of saying what I thought I heard, ask somebody in the room, somebody else to say what they thought they heard, potentially ask somebody else to say what they thought they heard before you speak, particularly if you are in the position of leading a programme. You'd like to think people will speak up and say, actually, no, I don't think you're right. But, you know, a lot of people won't, frankly, no matter how nice you think you are. And I think I'm nice, but people tell me quite frankly, I'm not as nice as I seem to think I am. But often asking others to say what they've heard. And I hate the expression crowdsource the agenda or crowdsource the understanding. But actually, that is a practical thing that you can do to force open ears and lenses and hear other factors and other views from your own. Secondly, I've learned as well, it's not always possible to do this. But there are occasions where actually if you're mobilizing a big initiative or you're trying to determine an approach that actually, I dare I say, it, spending a little bit of money. There are specific niche organizations out there who can come in and spend a day or a day and a half with you and actually force you to think about things differently or help you to take on board diversity, to build diverse teams or build diversity of thought. You know, there's the expression to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, again, you're going to look at things exactly the way you think you're used to looking at them. Seeking that outside counsel can actually be money very well spent if you have the opportunity to do so and it's the appropriate circumstances. Yeah. And I'll add to uh, what you guys are talking about. I think that um, management and leadership have to have these inclusive behaviors and demonstrate those. And Susan, that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, in a meeting, if you're noticing that people aren't talking, you have to figure out ways to give them that space. Um, I also think that that speaks to, especially with Choose to Challenge, the importance of allyship and advocacy in diversity, especially when um, you do have uh, diverse populations and, and people coming into um, the conversation. Uh, if they're in the room, making sure that you can help support their, them expressing their views. If they're not in the room, being able to speak on behalf of them and create that um, that thinking. And then, you know, again, I think it's important when you're not that person or population to be able to take a stance. So if you're someone that the woman in the room is always taking a note and you are the man in the room, question that, right? Why? Why? I can take the notes, I can take the minutes, because you want to make sure that, that, that people aren't typecasting various uh, groups and demographics into particular roles. And that has to do in our business with staffing, the, the way we staff projects, and just being, being aware of people's individual goals and um, what they'd like to see their futures look like. Yeah, and just one point to build on that as well, if I may. I think as well, let's not forget, and 
or not, but diversity of thought. Frequently, in a, if you're in a room and someone is articulating a point and you can't, they're not being understood and you can't understand. And actually that person often or that viewpoint can get parked. Different ways of thinking. And we talk about neurolinguistic diversity or neurodiversity, for example. That's not the only source of that kind of thing. But if you find there are particular people who aren't, their point seems invalid or they can't articulate the point, they may have a different way of thinking and constructing an argument. And, you know, uh, people can't don't easily follow their journey of thought or their journey of description. Find a way to pull that out because often they're the gems that you will come across. Now, I don't wish to put broad brushstrokes or generalizations because then I'm living the very problem that we're trying to talk about here. But often there are, particularly when you're dealing with um, different journeys of thought, it is worth investing time in finding out what is that point that may be outside the room, there may be other circumstances. But I have learned that frequently there are gems buried in there when you're dealing with people who who arrive at a conclusion and along a different route than you do. Love that, Susan. Awesome, guys, thanks. Um, I think there's lots in there to pick up on, obviously, as ever with these podcasts, but the the leadership piece, I know, I think, Nicora, you summarised nicely, is that if you're in the room and you see something, it's the idea that it's your, you know, almost responsibility to support that. And Susan, you touched on it, which I think is a great way of thinking of it, you know, asking someone else what they heard. I think that's a a fantastic um, snippet for, for other things to take away. But I, I want to apply the, this idea of the empowerment and trust piece within there as well, is this idea as a leader, you know, um, it, it is wider than diversity again, but I think it comes back to that point of, of having an environment that allows people to have their view, etc. Um, I remember I was on a, a training course not long ago, um, where they were talking about, uh, I don't know if you've heard of David Marquette's book, Turn the Ship Around, this idea of the Navy captain who completely changed the way a submarine was run from being I tell you to do something to you come and tell me and you know I ask you why you want to do it oh, for the benefit of our listeners John is showing me the book in the uh, the background um, it's this idea that they almost take responsibility in understanding that space so again it's it's wider than diversity but I think there's some great learning in there and you know it, drawing on your experiences with a diverse uh, diversity lens are there some key lessons learned some summary points within this to you know, enable that or support that in an organization so that, yes, there's lots of things to do around recruitment, retention, um, building diversity, but around what you can do in a practical day to day to build that environment and culture. I'd be really interested to hear what you guys kind of think in that space. Um, Nicoria, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So I'm a big fan of the simple things. Um, you have to get people into your circle that are different than you. <laughs> if there's one ask that when it comes to diversity is make new friends, right? Um, the, the more diverse your friend group is, the more that it will be natural to you when you're in diverse environments for it to be a natural thing, right? Um, people get very uncomfortable when it's just you know, their friend group or their in-group looks just like them and then they, someone that isn't in their in-group is presented to them. So the one thing that I would recommend is just find some other friends, right, in different spaces. And then the second thing is just learn about other cultures. Sometimes you, you just don't know and you're, you're operating in a place of, you know, ignorance is a strong word, but if you don't know something, there are so many resources, whether you love music or you love theater, Diversify that those pieces and learn about what other cultures are doing and some of the history behind those cultures. And that will automatically give you an appreciation, in my opinion, of um, understanding where someone else might be coming from. I, I agree. I, the way I'm 
categorizing it in my head with these sorts of things is around um, curiosity. So be curious all the time. Try to use that curiosity within the, within the team, within yourself. And also, I think once you when you have that curiosity sparked and you're asking the questions, I think there needs to be sort of a, a, a reciprocal trust, actually, that comes into it. So if you do start to share things that is something that's specific to you, you know, you're receiving information that they're trusting you with, but also you're, you know, you're trusting them with that information as well. So I think the curiosity and trusting are two words that that I inspire, hopefully, in anyone that I'm fortunate enough to work with, that, you know, that, that these sorts of individuals um, should should have both in abundance because it helps us then bring out more and more from the individuals and, and bring bring their particular types of self to work that they want to. You know, that's what it's about for me. So oh, awesome. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm afraid and I always get a bit sad at this point. We are out of time. Um, as ever, it's been a really interesting conversation. And there's always more to, to get out of these podcasts. Unfortunately, they're, they're not long enough for us to uh, put the world to rights. But uh, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to our speakers from today, you can always get in touch with us via our contact us page, or you can obviously leave us a voice note on the podcast itself. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll ensure that your question finds a relevant speaker and that you receive a response. Um, just last few things to say, a huge thank you to our speakers, Nicola, John and Susan, for making the time to share your views and experiences with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. Yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, and finally, a huge thank you to our listeners for, for joining the conversation. So uh, do take care, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon.